0: Hello, uh, Nicholas Horbachevsky. I'm the CEO and founder of the Drone Racing League. The Drone Racing League is the global professional circuit for drone racing. We take the world's best drone racing pilots, give them custom-built, high-performance drones, and challenge them to fly elaborate three-dimensional courses in iconic venues around the world. It's kind of a mix of Star Wars and Formula One. And if you haven't seen what it looks like before, we've got a quick video. uh, It's kicking off our 2018 season to give you a sense of what we're all about. So I started the Drone Racing League in 2015 uh, and I'm proud to say that we're kicking off our third season this year, uh, which will be broadcast in more than 75 countries on premier TV networks like ESPN. Um, I'm really proud that DRL has had tens of millions of people watch it in the last few years and that we've been recognized for various awards, that we've attracted blue chip sponsors the likes of Allianz and BMW and Swatch. And then we've got tremendous investors behind us, ranging from MGM to Sky Sports to Liberty Media. We've been recognized uh, globally, and we've been really humbled by the fact that people think what we're doing is cool. We've we've seen everything from being one of Fast Company's most innovative companies of the year in 2017 to Ad Age Startup to Watch. We even won a Guinness World Record in the middle of all of it for the world's fastest drone. And we appreciate being recognized for what we've done. I think this quote kind of sums up a little bit of our journey. It's absolutely insane to see that in just two years, DRL has gone from having its eyes set on being the Formula One of drone racing to achieving just that. But what I want to do is take you back to 2016, before any awards, before any quotes, when really we were just a dream and a PowerPoint deck, really. Um, And we launched in telling the world that we planned to build this elaborate drone racing circuit. And one of the first publications to pick up that story was USA Today, and they ran a headline screaming, Drone Racing League, the sport of the future. So no pressure on us as a small startup. Um, And it started us with this question of, what does that even mean? What what is the sport of the future? What is the commitment we're making by uh, holding that moniker and talking about being the sport of the future? And you gotta remember, this is 2016. This is back when people were having debates over what to call esports. This was far from where we are today in terms of the evolution of sports content. And so that kicked off what I would describe as sort of a two year search for identity. And we have been called a lot of things. We've been called an esport, there are people who lump us in with competitive gaming. We've been called a T-Sport, that's what I think the title of this presentation is for technology-enabled sport because technology is so central to what we do. We've been called a V-Sport or a virtual sport because it has hallmarks of virtual reality and the pilots are remote from the craft they're flying. And we've been called an R-Sport for a robotic sport because in the end, the people out on the race course striving to win are actually flying robots, they're drones. And really, I think this is emblematic of the fact that there is a struggle on how to categorize new sports like this. And it's left us with this question, where do we belong? So for the rest of this presentation, I'm going to share with you my answer to that question. And I'm going to share with you how the struggle and the search for that answer has actually enlightened us into some of the changes going on in sports, the shifting preferences for audiences in viewing sports content, and how a tech-savvy audience like this might look forward to the future and predict how sports is gonna change even more going into the next phase. So let's start with the sports landscape, and in full disclosure, this is a, me sort of synthesizing a bunch of stuff I've read and my own opinions on it. If you have your own version of a sports landscape, uh, I would love to hear it after the presentation. Uh, we're all figuring out in real time. But when I think of the sports landscape, there's traditional sports, what people call the stick and ball sports. We all know these. These are uh, football and basketball, um, and then there's competitive gaming, uh, eSports, these are people playing uh, League of Legends or CSGO or PUBG. And then there's some that sort of, that's a simple enough paradigm, but then there's some that get a little more confusing. You have motorized sports, so these are people, but they're being enhanced by a vehicle when they're out racing. There's virtual reality sports getting more popular, you can imagine someone in a virtual reality rig throwing an American football and it's acted out by a, a computer image of that, you know, where does that fit into the paradigm. And the one thing I've found in looking at all this is that people want to draw a really bright line between these. So there's traditional sports on one side and there's e-sports on the other. Those are the big categories. And then there's the bright line. And in fact, it's more than a bright line, people want it to be sort of a conflict between the two of them. There's these two groups sort of facing each other. And the challenge is, if you're going to have a bright line, it means you need a point of differentiation. You need to think, where does one switch over for the other? And there's a few schools of thoughts on this. One of them is, you define it by the field of play. So this is to say that uh, esports are on a virtual field of play, and physical sports are on an actual field of play, uh, traditional sports on a physical field of play, and that's how you separate the two of them. Um, there's another group that sort of says no, no, it's it's a different definition the point point of differentiation really who is on the field of play So that's a human on one side and in some sort of avatar or substitute on the other But again, you can drop you know stick and ball sports in there, competitive gaming motorized sports There's a little bit of a, a change and, and virtual reality gets closer to the line But they're still on nice right side and the nice thing is you get these two very nice separate groups that you can do it as someone who used to be a consultant in a former life, I like to throw everything on a two-by-two two so you can this like virtual, physical, human avatar. But again, you end up with this nice dichotomy where you can really separate the two uh, and pin them against each other. So before I go on one note on scale, just because people always make this point, it's you know traditional sports dwarfs esports. No matter what you've read in the media, almost any metric you'd choose from viewership to revenue to fans, Traditional sports are orders of magnitude larger than esports. But if you look at growth, esports is winning. Um, and traditional sports is facing challenges. I mean, you have headlines out there, sort of about NFL ratings plummeting. Uh, whereas esports get headlines about how more people are watching uh, esports collectively than even some of the major traditional sports, individual championships. How more and more people watching esports are not players, so it's really developing into a spectator sport. And how eSports fans are increasingly less likely to watch traditional sports. So they're actually beginning to cannibalize traditional sports. And one of the things you have to ask is why that's happening. Um, There's a few things that are intrinsic to eSports, things about the scalability of the distribution of video games. But there are also some qualities to it that I think make it appropriate and attractive for the current generation. So we look at this as an example of the integration of technology. So technology is deeply integrated into our daily lives. Making esports use of technology sort of authentic and relevant to what we're watching, um, and it makes sense that we would want sports and entertainment that is relevant to our current interests and values. I always like to tell the story of a nine-year-old nephew, and if I ask him who his hero is, he does not say Tom Brady, the great American football player. He says Elon Musk. So his focus is much more on technology, entrepreneurship, uh, and innovation than it is on heroics on a field. Another example of this. Uh, is the ability of esports to create graphically intensive, elaborate, immersive, surreal world for the watchers. Um, and if you consider the way photorealistic CGI movies have absolutely dominated the box office, you think of the Marvel movies, uh, the DC universe. It's not surprising to, that audiences are drawn to content that, sporting content in particular, that can rival or even at times exceed the level of visual splendor that these movies can produce. There's also an element of visual intensity. This is a frame from a game of the world's most popular traditional sport. And this is a frame from the game of the world's most popular e-sport, League of Legends. And for a generation known for short attention spans, scrolling through news feeds, multi-screen viewing, it makes sense that something that has this constant entertainment is going to be very appealing and you could see how this could capture people for longer periods of time especially in a digital environment uh, for digital content distribution and finally there's even issues of morality and social consciousness involved in this so one of the draws of traditional sports is the danger and the excitement but there's also a real moral hazard to that and you have a socially aware generation that values human life and you have to really start asking yourself is it desirable or responsible to celebrate basically gladiatorial sport brutality. And I think that's really starting to play itself out. I mean, there are discussions of the cost of uh, human, to human life of sports, and they're ramping up, especially in the United States right now. A lot of debate over concussions in football, and there are a lot of pundits out there who really believe that it is directly impacting viewership, especially among younger viewers that are asking themselves the question of if this is really worthwhile. Meanwhile, in esports, you can have all the carnage and crashing you want, you sort of, you don't really raise the morality question and you're not having to sit there and ask yourself who is sacrificing their body or their health effectively for your entertainment. Well, eSports aren't a perfect substitute for traditional sports as we know, and it's fair to ask the question, what's missing from eSports? And there's another trend, uh, especially among young consumers that we see that's really popular and eSport not only misses this in a way it runs directly counter to that, and that's the incredible value put on real world experiences. People give it all kinds of names, everything from the Instagram effect to the entertainment, uh, the experience economy, rather. Um, and it puts a premium on events that take place in the physical real world and are shareable as experiences with other people. And we, you see everything from Burning Man to mass participation running events falling in that category. Um, so traditional sports definitely has that edge. So this leads us back to the question of where does Drone Racing League fit into all of this? And so we have our paradigm again, um, and as you can see, with the definitions we've talked about and the qualities, we don't really fit into either. Um, and I think that's the answer: is that we don't fit. And I actually side with a category that puts us as a robotic sport or an R sport. We have aspects of esports, especially in the terms of how the game is played and our ability to enhance things, but it's also a real-world sport. This is happening, taking place in the physical world in the field of play um so what is a robotic sport generally we'll just define this quickly so it's any sport where the competitor is a robot engaging in a physical space so this ranges from robot boxing or combat to robot soccer to autonomous car racing or in the case of drl drones racing on a three-dimensional course through an iconic building um and one point i'll add is that sometimes people get confused and that this is competition between robots? In the end, this is a form of human competition. There's always a human in the loop here. So for DRL, our pilots are controlling the drones in real time, as they are for some of these other robot sports. In other cases, like autonomous car racing, there's a human programming the strategy in advance and refining that between events. So ultimately, it is still a human showdown. So what I find exciting about this, if we go back to sort of the two by two of how we think about this, is the possibilities that it opens up. So this sport is not only distinct from these other two categories, but it actually creates an entire new quadrant of sports and one where avatars are taking the place of human beings in the field of play. But it's actually happening in the physical world. And that creates something totally unique that allows you to borrow some of the best elements of both traditional sports and e-sports. You know, robotic sports has all these incredibly attractive qualities that will sound familiar from what I said about esports. So it's very technology centric. It allows us to create these immersive worlds and it gives us a lot more freedom to play with surreal environments. It has none of the moral hazard or risk to health. You know, this is a drone smashing through a bunch of light bulbs. We're proud to show that clip. There's no question about uh, the morality of that. And yet it's a genuine real world experience. These are actual drones going 90 miles an hour through an actual building, in this case, a palace outside of London. And when these drones come by the audience at high speed, they get a visceral experience. When they smash into a wall and explode into a thousand pieces, it's a real moment that actually happened. Um, Frankly, it gives people that sort of Instagram moment uh, that they think about when they think about going to events. Um, And it's interesting that while people writing articles about us have really struggled to put us into a category our fans have not Uh, And there's emerged a very clear nomenclature for what people call us, especially on social media Um, And it reflects the unique blend of the digital and the real and that term we hear all the time is the real-life video game that is the term that we see most often when people are trying to describe the drone racing league either to friends or to talk about it uh, on social and that is the promise of robotic sports. It's sporting events in the real world, unconstrained by the limitations of humans, blurring the line between the digital and the real. So why is this exciting? And why do I think this is a trend? We're talking about this event, something that I think I encourage people to start following the evolution of this. Um, And I think the real answer is because our fans have really noticed it and they love it. So whether it's comments we get on social media about how it's the future to people writing articles about us and how it's uh, a real life video game, Also very interesting. This was a study done where they asked people how likely they were to recommend a sport to their friends who hadn't seen it and DRL sort of far and away exceeded other traditional sports um, and a lot of the uh, color behind that was that people were saying it's this real life video game. It's this blur of the digital and the real. It's something unique. It's something new. It's not an e-sport. It's not a traditional sport. And if you're here at the Next Web, you're probably someone who thinks about the future a lot or thinks forward and whether you run an agency and your job is to help your clients see around corners as to what the future brings or you just like to spot a trend before your friends, I thought this data was particularly interesting. This is a broad survey which asked the question of whether or not, they asked about a variety of sports and entertainment properties and they asked whether the question of whether the sports best days were ahead of it, were today or behind it. So you can think of your favorite sport and think about answering that question. Is its best days ahead right now or behind it? And resoundingly, the answer to this was that traditional sports days are still a highly relevant society, but their best days are behind them. And then esports were actually sort of the sport of the moment. There was a lot of concentration in this idea that esports are having their best days right now. But robotic sports like DRL, people said their best days are ahead of them. And that's really important, especially if you're thinking about fan engagement or the message you send when you associate yourself with a sport as a brand. So we've talked about the weaknesses in traditional sports and esports, so I think it's only fair to talk about the weaknesses in robotic sports as you think about how this will emerge over time. And the weakness of robotic sports is that they're really, really hard. One of the problems is you're using advanced technology and getting advanced technology to work in a sporting environment is, very, very difficult. If you think about it, you know, when your iPhone crashes, it's not the end of the world, but in a sporting context, if technology starts to fail, if it interrupts the flow of the sport, it'll actually ruin the sporting nature of the event. It'll make it not a sport and more of sort of a technology spectacle. So you need to make the technology on some level invisible to the viewer, where they can really just focus on the sporting outcome. And that's a very high bar, especially when you're dealing with robots, which are, in the grand scheme of things, a relatively nascent technology. And that's why DRL is as much of a tech company as we are a sporting league. And to pull off what we've done, we've had to invent an entire tech stack. Half half our team are engineers really just focusing on how to do this. Uh, And our technology ranges from hardware to radio technology um, right through to software. And I'll give you just one example of what this looks like. So this is the DRL Racer 3. This is the high-performance drone that every pilot flies in our league. We've designed every aspect of this drone from the ground up, everything from the integrated circuits you see there to the carbon fiber frame that it sits on. This is a time-last video of one of our uh, drone techs assembling a drone, and it gives you a sense of the work and effort that goes into each one. We hand assemble, build, and tune over 300 drones for every single race we do. Um, It is quite an operation, and we had to design them for performance, durability, visibility, and reliability and build a true racecraft. Uh, and it was a huge task in and of itself and then there's only one part of what we do It's only one part of the technology stack that makes our events go The good news is that I think DRL is just the beginning of this uh, It's fair to say I think that we may be the first globally broadcast robotic sport ever But there are lots of other people out there working on very cool projects and those range from uh, Teams like Fury and Robotics that are building huge racing mech robots, uh, to Megabots who are building two-story fighting robots, to the team uh, at Roborace that's their second generation super sleek autonomous racing car uh, that hopefully we'll be seeing next season. So in closing, um, I'll say that internally at DRL we never really bought into the USA Today headline about being the sport of the future. Um, And we tend to think of ourselves and talk about our own brand and our own events as being a sport from the future. Um, And we want to give the experience to the the audience as though they're watching something that you think would exist in the future. And I think that contributes to the responses we get that people think our best days are ahead of us. Um, and you can't really be a sport for the future unless you're super duper futuristic all the time. And so I'm going to close with a quick video that we made uh, that demonstrates our sort of world of tomorrow futurosity credibility. DRL drone racing is the sport of the future. The high flying technological breakthrough that's taking the world by storm. With the DRL simulator, you too can learn the skills the pros have, like thrust and yawn. Thrust and yawn. Pitch and roll. Pitch and roll. Master these skills and you too can become a member in the Drone Racing League. DRL. The future is now.